Hello, this is producer and technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley. Before we get to today's show, I just wanted to make a quick programming note. As you know, Poetry Spoken Here comes out on the first and third Friday of every month, but we have exciting news. Starting in August, we will have a sister podcast called Close Talking that comes out on the second and fourth Friday of every month. Close Talking is going to feature as hosts myself, and my good friend Connor Stratton, an MFA student at the University of Minnesota. On each episode, we will select a poem and spend the entire episode discussing our different thoughts about the poem, different historical influences, and in cases of famous poems, the cultural impact of the work. So remember, that's Close Talking, available the second and fourth Friday of every month. Same as Poetry Spoken here, you can find it on SoundCloud, or you'll be able to subscribe on the iTunes store. On with the show. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our featured poet today is Amy King from New York. She is the recipient of the 2015 Women's National Book Association Award. She'll be reading from her latest collection, The Missing Museum, and we'll be talking about the creative process. Then we'll take a look at Kirk Robertson, a fine Nevada poet, whose latest book is called How the Light Gets In. and this is Poetry Spoken Here. Our feature today is Amy King. She is the recipient of the 2015 Women's National Book Association Award. And her latest collection, The Missing Museum, won the 2015 Tarpaulin Sky Book Prize. She's also working on a couple of anthologies right now, one of which has the most interesting title of Big Energy Poets of the Anthropocene when eco-poets think climate change. She's an associate professor of creative writing at SUNY Nassau Community College. And right now she's gonna to talk to us about poetry and read some of her work. Amy, I'm really glad we can do this. I wanna start right off by, by uh, mentioning why I wanted to do this now. Uh, Amy had been on my list to do, do a, a podcast with for quite some time, but about a month or two ago, she, she posted something about her thinking about her poetry this summer and and it's, it's something like feeling a compulsion to write a certain kind of poem which was kind of difficult maybe abstract uh, maybe hard to get and really wanting to write those kind of poems and at the same time having a concern that maybe nobody else would get anything out of it or would give a damn and so i thought it would be interesting to explore that with her so could, could you articulate what i tried to say from from your own words you know your own way of saying it <laughs> well, I think um, I, I think my work is always oddly received because I don't have one specific kind of Amy King poem, and um, some I'm not sure that people are able to sort of the reviews are kind of all over the place. Um, a, a lot of reviews are very appreciative, but um, I think that people just don't know how to pin down and and I mean that's the nature of of reviews anyway is just sort of identify what poets are doing. And so knowing that history and um, just want, 
I, I, I guess I'm feeling some push to start making things that sound like an Amy King poem, but I still want to just branch out and experiment and um, just do what th things that surprise myself. And I've been feeling a little bit, I guess, you know, you always get to hear you're a mid-career poet. Um, so I guess I've been feeling a little like maybe I should start being identifiable in some specific way. So I've been feeling that. I mean, and that's pressure I'm probably putting on myself too. Um, and that I think has been a little bit limiting for me in the sense that I, I haven't been giving myself the same permission I had when I was writing earlier um, to just, you know, mess around and just, you know, do things that uh, without any concern for or regard for what people are going, how people are going to receive it. Um, so I guess that, that concern or that um, awareness is probably a better way to say it has, um, it just made me sort of push back, you know, just on a Facebook post and say, fuck it, I want to write some experimental shit again. <laughs> and I don't care if you don't want to get it or whatever. I mean, I just want to write stuff that, you know, feels interesting to me and compelling. And if other people like it, then that is all the better. Um, I think it's something pe probably a lot of poets struggle with because we, we also want our work to be read. Um, and if we're always, if our work always seems so unusual or off-putting to people, then that can have an impact, I think, on, on the writer herself. So I guess that's what that post was about. Um, and, you know, again, like I write essays, I write, um, you know, any number of things that aren't necessarily poetry. But for me, poetry is about being able to bring the un those things in. Like, I don't think, um, for example, I write these essays, you know, about social justice or something going on in the poetry world. Like, one of the things I've been thinking lately is I want to write a poem about some of this stuff I've been dealing with. I don't want to just sit down and write another essay about, you know, conceptual poetry or something. <laughs> I want to actually bring it into a poem. And, you know, I guess my, I might have some hesitation that, well, you're really supposed to be writing that stuff in an essay for it to be received properly. Um, so I guess that's sort of about testing what poetry um, can handle, can, can allow for. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be careful because you don't want somebody to say, Hey, wait a minute. If I want if I want an essay, I'll read an essay. Don't try to mm -hmm. sneak me an essay in and call it a poem. Uh, you know, don't get too pedagogical there or too expository that way. Uh, right. And doing that. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, as you mentioned, I think this is an issue for, for lots of poets. Well, I think it's, it's good to talk around about it and, and see what comes out. Because it seems to me there's there's, but like the motivations for writing, and and they're always somewhat conflicting if if you're not just writing for yourself. I mean, there's at least mm -hmm. the there's at least a compulsion for self-expression, even among right. poets who are just writing for themselves in their journals. But then, if you care, if you're publishing, if you're you know, a, a poet, poet, uh, not a person person who writes poetry, then you care about readers uh, noticing that you wrote the poem. And caring about what you said, maybe being informed, inspired, enlightened, whatever you want to call it. So right, right. Do do you have um, 
an, an example of, of something of what you said. It doesn't matter which part you care to elaborate on or just a poem you'd, you'd like to read and we can talk about it in terms of these ideas. <laughs> I have a poem called Drive-By in my new book that is a, it's a little bit meta, tiny bit. Um, I can read that if sure. you like. <laughs> called Drive-By. You think you hear words, so you read and speak them. What are these? Words. Nothing more. Pigments of sense-making. Colors of culture. Sounds to drive by. Lakes to drink to. Walk to the beat of linden trees. Live on an avenue you cannot be. You are the street. The torpor of animal motion inside your liquid brain. The lizard in you is beyond us. Words know no density. Destiny is a search through the imagination. Drive-by shootings are a thing of the presence. I am with you in these lines. Words convey the present. Word is a gift from a cow that speaks. Moo is animal conveyance. The translation is human. All animals speak in one direction or another. Speech is the map we trace our outlines with. We face the music. Can you sing the color of me in the sounds around you? I am a speech therapist, coaxing the truth out of the blue and becoming a wordsmith in action. This is what I meant by the term poet, to never know and unknowing get on with it, of reaching into the blue for you. Bang, says the bard. Moo, says you. Sounds to drive by, words to live to. Where did that poem come from, if, if that could be asked? Or answered. <laughs> uh, that's the part I like about um, the word poetry is what I was referencing before is the idea that you can, as the writer, you have so much permission with the word poetry to just explore and to what you don't even know is in your head. Um, what you don't know that you know, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know where it came from. In fact, I don't know where a lot of my work comes from. Um, I've had people, re friends read lines to me and, and, uh, I'll be like, that's a great line. What's that from? And they'll be like, that's your poem. <laughs> and I just don't even remember half the things I've written because I just, you know, and maybe that's a little, you know, I probably should edit more and tailor more, but, um, I, I really like being able to just sort of let things flow and gush and whatever they need to do. Um, it's a, it's a, it's almost a leap of faith in the sense of, um, you know, allowing for trust in your subconscious, you know, because it's not an essay. You're not putting something out there that should be sort of rigorously vetted. You're, you're playing with, um, the, what I always reference as intuition. You know, you're, you're not just playing with ideas. You're also kind of through poetry connecting you know, um, this, whatever you call the spiritual and the emotional, um, poetry is a way to try to allow all that to converge. Uh, so I, I never know where things come from exactly, except I try to create the conditions that allow for those, that convergence of what we think is so separate in our, so our brain and our intellect and our emotional life and our spiritual life and our psyche and whatever. Uh, I think poetry for me is a way to allow those 
supposedly separate aspects um, of, of one's being converge and, and make something that, again, as, as I said earlier, surprises oneself. Um, and that's a little, you know, I, I, again, as I said before, that's a little, um, conf it feels a little conflicting when um, you are, are acutely aware of your audience and wanting to please them or give them something um, that they keep wanting, I guess, or, you know, some way to hold it and understand it. Yeah, that it seems, doesn't, it seems a little dangerous uh, for the creativity to have an, an outside concern that might restrict what's flowing out. Oh, let me ask you something, though. Uh, we won't say that you've had a lot of uh, left-brain cognitive things going on when that poem was written, but in a prose sentence or two, could you tell somebody what that poem's about and what it's saying? Hmm. I think it's just, as I said in the beginning, it's a sort of meta um, poem about thinking about how words convey meaning and how we are actually the culture makers. We all, we often think we're just absorbing and reflecting the culture, but the way we, the way we receive words, um, it's funny, somebody uh, who I really like on Facebook yesterday posted a, um, what was obviously a little analogy about um, being on the left and being either a liberal or a radical. Um, and it was just sort of like a funny thing of like, you know, a liberal, if put them in, in prison and, you know, they're, they're going to be executed. The liberal will argue over which way uh, they're going to be killed and the radical will look for a way out. And I just thought that is hilarious because um, it's really about perspective because, you know, one person's radical where they maybe say, fuck it, I'm going to deal with the system and I'm not going to try to get away from it. Maybe they think they're the radical mm -hmm. um, as opposed to the other person who says, I'm going to shirk the system and run. And, you know, like the people who say they're leaving the country or whatever, um, and they think they're the radical, but both sides have merit um, and both sides are also not acknowledging other aspects like the radical who says, you know, I'm going to try to escape the system is not acknowledging that that they're in that system right now. And to not care about what's happening is to is is fairly selfish because the effects of that system are going to harm other people if you choose to be passive or escape it or whatever. Um, and then, of course, the liberal who is, quote unquote, the liberal who thinks they're radical and stays also is kind of screwed because you're sort of saying, OK, I concede, I, you know, I have to accept this, the, the shit in order to get to the little P in the whatever <laughs> yeah. um, or the little prize or whatever. So but I just thought it was funny because that analogy was just so much about who you're talking to, who thinks they're the radical. I mean, who gets to name that? Who and, and there's so much around that. And then who is perceiving too? Because, you know, maybe I look at the person who's staying and getting the shit for staying as the radical, but then maybe I actually look at the person who's like, I'm not gonna accept any of this as the radical. Um, so I guess that's what that poem is sort of playing with is like, as you heard, like there's a cow in there and you know, we say cows say moo, but that's actually something we've assigned to a cow. You know, uh, the sound that a cow makes is maybe right. not exactly the word moo. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> we're, all, we're all participants and creators, like it or not. You know, um, like some of us 
aren't writer. I'm not a writer. I'm not a poet. I'm not. But you're still using language in ways that affects its meaning. And I guess that's what that poem is sort of getting at. Yeah. Okay. That's really great. I appreciate that. And I think mm -hmm. other folks will too. So I hope people will go back and listen to the poem again. Because mm -hmm. it's so easy to do. And it's it's mm -hmm. a, such a worthwhile activity. I find it's worthwhile to go back and, and listen to these things again uh, after I know more about what's going on and that sort of thing. The naming thing is so important because you you know, you post you post a lot of things from a feminist perspective. And we know how how, how naming uh, influences particularly uh, let's say non-white males, everybody, you know, of any quote minority group or quote outsider group. I mean, there's more women than men, but the way they're treated is something that is very much like other groups that don't get treated as well as they should. And I think naming plays a big part in, uh, in setting up concept structures that are, uh, I'll call them dysfunctional. I guess that's kind. Yeah. They can be violent too. Absolutely. I mean, I'm trying to find short ones. I have a lot of long ones in this book now. So I guess I'll do one that um, is slightly political. I wrote it a while ago um, around the Pussy Riot um, stuff that was going on that was such a big deal in Russia. And um, it resonated so much with um, the pol political climate here at the time under George W. Um, uh, anyway, I'll just read it and you can respond. It's a little weird. It's the first poem in the book and the title is a little bit long. It's called Pussy Pussy Sochi Pussy Putin Sochi Queer Queer Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Pussies riot in the snow this winter Olympics. We have our insect feelings now in this world of world chaos where a Putin pissed by the sight of pussies praying goes to the grass where a Putin rides shirtless on his steed. My bones are steeds. My bones are hundreds of dead Vikings calling the women who cared for their cold wars out. By the hundreds I call Putin pissed on with one bone alone. Held high and hard hand, given the context, there is no such thing as fate only the story of fate. I tell it to you where the authenticity of your fantasy accesses the reality of me. You enter with words, you deliberate Pope-like, as if the heartbeats of Putin in Pope's chest open the church to molesting rule. I have a witch church hand and pussies rioting a Putin prayer on a nation of people. They think alone in their news prescriptions. All of us are hypodermic pods full of reason and scenes and our own births still becoming. She writhed in the sea beside me. She is when wonder went out of fashion and big screen graffiti gave way to marriage in the shitty armor of promise. You can't give up pussy if you want to learn. That which you fear is the cliff above, the cliff shove, the Medusa maw that enters you whole. Insert person, revoke the prison for acting alone. We cannot be commemorative plates and teacups of the clay we are shaped from. I'm smoking cigarette veins outside the Putin show, and people are made of skeleton skins taped together, building houses around the most affordable false truths. In the meantime, get your sexual identification card crucified, because every gunshot ends with a story, and yours is the next against the wall.
Oh, wow. I love that. And I so admire what they are doing. Um, they're really brave. <laughs> yeah, they are. One of the, one of the, usually Facebook is wrong, but they popped up a memory of maybe it was five years ago when I posted them doing a video of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. just, it just reminded me of how incredible what they were doing and how brave they were to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, uh, two of them went to prison for yeah. quite a while. And um, that, of course, inspired them to start being activists in regards to getting the message out of how the women are treated in those prisons. And um, <clears throat> it's not easy to speak, I, I think, under Putin, who is pretty much a dictator at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, President Putin slash dictator. Um, <clears throat> And I think he's a warning story. Um, and actually, they've spoken recently about, um, uh, I mean, not recently, like a number of months ago when Trump started getting on the ticket. Um, <clears throat> they said, you know, we all laughed when Putin was coming up for election, too. But Trump could be your Putin. He's real, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And even though P Russia is a democracy now, I don't know of many people who would want to go back and live there. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm saying back yeah. because I have a friend who, who lives here from Russia and she would never want to go back. Um, but I don't think we want to live under those conditions. So uh, what, if, if you'd like, we could do one more poem. Maybe they'll figure out what an Amy King poem is. You know, I'll just do a, what I call a, a scene. It's not really a, um, a lot of my, a lot of the poems in this book have um, some sort of political implication, but some of them don't. Um, I'll just do a, short scene. It's called Ghost Doe, D-O-E, Ghost Doe. I'm always in the east. I would like to sit on your property among the leaves and soft decay of lawn. Someone is back here eating petals, rattling jars on your shelves in the dank garden room. I stand hooded figure, ancient. You cannot see. You are following the scent of smoke wisps. But why does the vehicle come, a season readying, a wheelchair? I can see through your windows, eat the hearth and your legs outstretched. I am mostly myth, human, a person built of sight and sound. Cracks in the gutters and a leeching of whatever it may mean to be a stick figure among razor thin trees. To make more is a censorship, a formation of granite where sponge wood to the core once stood. We are berries, stricken barriers, erect fences laced through with fingers. We work, we inevitable. Let's play the part of the runner and make the mark of speed. Strip the door of its frame, the sills of their sleeves. Teach the vines to honey the basement's womb. Channel out to the iron chairs and pumpkin the stairs with all that is reserved in your smile, hidden by autumn's flame, the dough of death. That's it. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm really glad we could do this, Amy. I had a good time. I hope uh, when you hear it, you like what you said. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for having me, Charlie. Okay, so I'm Charlie Roster, and this is Poetry Spoken Here. We've been hearing the poetry and the thoughts of Amy King. Listening to Poetry Spoken Here. We've just heard from New York poet Amy King, 
And now I'd like to introduce you to a fine Nevada poet, Kirk Robertson. He may not be known to you, but he is a person who has been inducted into the Nevada Writers Hall of Fame and is quite well known in his part of the country. I was recently rereading his book, just past Labor Day, and I came upon something that seemed very interesting. What Kirk did was he went and got statements by artists about art, 17 different artists, people like Jasper Johns, Jean Cocteau, William Stafford, John Cage, and rock and roll pioneer Little Richard. He strung them together in what essentially ends up being a found prose poem. It's called Artists' Statements by Kirk Robertson. Aesthetics is for artists, like ornithology is for birds. An object never serves the same function as its image or its name. Take an object, do something to it, do something else to it, do something else to it. I only know my materials. To what end? I know not. It doesn't have anything to do with materials or style. It's a kind of energy that comes into the particular sequence of events. Art is a marriage of the conscious and the unconscious. Art disease is caused by a hardening of the categories. It's more important to be in the theater than it is to know what's going on in the movie. Living in the desert has taught me to go inside myself for shade. Without music, life would be a mistake. A writer is not so much someone who has something to say as he is someone who has found a process that will bring about new things he would not have thought of if he had not started to say them. I have nothing to say and I'm saying it, and that's poetry. Poetry is always a dying language but never a dead language. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but it's just as hard to cut. Few understand how past and over the past is. Language, or the absence of it, is extremely critical for the conceptualization of imagery. When critics get together, they talk about form and space. When painters get together, they talk about turpentine. Talking about art is like trying to French kiss over the telephone. Artists' statements collected by Kirk Robinson. I'm Charlie Rossiter, and this has been Poetry Spoken Here. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetry spoken here. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetry spoken here. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.